0: Welcome to the Culture Cloud Podcast, where we discuss culturally relevant subjects as seen through the lens of art. I am your host, Jesús González, Senior Art Director at Integer. Today's subject is Food Art, was chosen by my co-host, Jim McInnes, Executive Creative Director at Integer. You also hear from Julian Lin, Strategy Director, Jenny Fraga, Associate Account Director, and C. Jacobson, PP Program Director, also at Integer. The video version of this episode is exclusive for Integer, but I will leave the description of the artwork discussed in the show notes. Without further ado, Jim, take it away.
1: Thank you, Jesus. This is great. I appreciate the invite to come do this and uh, talk to you guys today. And today, as Jesus said, with your your help, we're going to attempt to answer that age-old question, Ethan, um, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. No, not uh, are professional bowlers considered athletes? Not that question. Um, Not even over or under, not gonna answer that question either. Or what's love got to do with it? Another question will remain unasked and unanswered. And don't get me started about do beans belong in chili? Spoiler alert, they don't. Today we're gonna talk about is food art? Food or cooking? Is it it truly art? Uh, That's the question for today. So let's take a look. Um, Sorry, I lost my place here. We certainly see food in art everywhere, right? Art as we traditionally find it is often incorporated food. Uh, A lot of art throughout history is incorporated food, actually. Uh, And it seems to be everywhere uh, at at times. Um, Food has even become a medium for art. Not just what's on your plate when you're eating it, but people are using food as art. An example here, um, Yoko Ono, I believe it was, famously had a, a display in the Museum of Modern Art called Apple, which was just an apple on a crystal base that sat there and rotted. Is that art? That's part of the question here we're answering. Can food be considered art when it inspires other art? One more slide, sorry.
2: Go ahead and hit
3: play.
1: Will not play. All righty. Well, What you would be seeing here is the trailer for um Hero Dreams of Sushi.
4: Has
5: anybody we, seen we that, see that, that documentary? Yeah. We can see it. Oh,
0: okay. There In- we go. I'm not getting any audio. Is anybody? I'm not getting any audios, anybody? Yeah. Yep, getting
6: on. Maybe I have to mute.
0: え
1: you
6: some people like me are not going to
4: Done.
1: All right. If you've seen that movie, I don't know how you could question that Jiro was, was an artist, that the food he produced was art or not. But let's continue with asking the question. Um, we certainly as individuals treat food like art, right? Uh, all of the Instagram postings that we see now, Um, We celebrate food, uh, much like it's art. We critique it much in the same way we critique art. Uh, And we express ourselves through food. How many people tried the sourdough starter in the last year and a half? Anybody? Seemed to have been very popular.
0: Me. Good. Next.
1: Um, We share food with others as a means of connecting. Next. We try to imitate food, much like we do art, often rather spectacularly unsuccessfully. And food itself, ingredients themselves, are often beautiful, often with inherent design qualities to them, sometimes even perfect design. And there are often hidden meanings in the design of food, an ingredient like this fiddlehead fern here, who's shaped much like the golden ratio. Is there something we're missing around food? Is there a connection? Um, we treat food like art, where the plate is our canvas and the ingredients our palate. Food or cooking can be inspiring. It can spark joy through its appearance, taste, and smell. Food, as in the imagery of it, makes up a whole subsection of our industry. We treat that like art. Food is everywhere in advertising. And we even use tricks and techniques to make it look better. Don't ask what's in the mashed potatoes. So if food is art, are chefs artists? Gordon Ramsay, an artist? Now, from my perspective, I don't think you can try this man's brisket and tell me he's not an artist. That's me. Uh, few of us can take paints and canvas and turn them into a masterpiece, but how many of us conversely can turn this into a delicious dish? If you've ever watched Chopped, there's some, definitely some art going on there. Food is absolutely culture. Food is, food is human. Comfort food is something that we yearn for, and different regions of the world have their own schools of cooking, much like art does. But ultimately, can food be art if today's masterpiece is tomorrow's garbage? And I borrowed this piece purposely from an artist, former Tracy Locker, named David Bell. If you haven't followed his Instagram, you should. Uh, David, a while back, decided to do an Instagram series made up of uh, photographing the waste of his produce of the day. He would collect it during the day as they made lunch and dinner and photograph it in this form. Go back one slide if you would, Ethan, I think the one right before this is truly spectacular and did a great job. Um, But David's a fantastic artist and he got a, he was inspired by food to create art, inspired by the waste of his food to create art. Next one and one more. So is food art? Let's take a look at the definition. The expression or application of human skill, creative and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. Does that indicate food? Does that indicate cooking? Ultimately, I think the answer to is food art? As you tell me.
0: That's awesome. And I mean, the short answer, yes. The long answer is what you just said, because when you approached me and and, and with the idea of of you want to talk about food and it's food art, I definitely thought, yeah, it's obviously art, but just how you talk, why it's art and how it's art, I think it, it just touches on every cultural aspect that we have and and i think food is unique in that way because i cannot think of anything else that is indispensable to us that can be a demon but it also be god it could be the best thing ever it could be art so i I was really excited for this uh, uh theme and for your presentation and i really thank you for Participating, uh, but please, please, anyone else has anything to add and to say? I would love day,
1: to hear. For me, while I while I why I chose this was for me, food is a is a creative expression. Cooking is a creative expression. Um, it's where I turn to, not have clients to please. You know, if my wife likes it; it's good enough. Um, but I I found it as a creative outlet, and and that's why I passionately
7: believe that food and cooking can be art.
0: amazing Uh, does anyone
7: anyone know the tortellini story of how why the tortellini looks like it does no so the reason the tortellini is wrapped and built the way it is because it's meant to look like the belly button i believe of the goddess venus because that's beauty and like so we're talking about culture art expression and all that so they're trying to interpret something and then if you go across italy it's Every, you know, there's towns and families that have their, no, 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 ours is the Tortellini, ours is the Tortellini, and you probably don't have any one that's exactly the same, because it's their interpretation of that at the same time. So, I'm sorry I've interrupted somebody, but I thought that was really interesting.
0: No, that's great. That's that's incredibly uh, deep and amazing, and also kind of gross, but awesome
3: yeah
1: and, and i'll I'll pile on that real quick because there's a lot of things we find i've got there's there's a pasta that's that's an Italian means pre strangler uh and it's because of the way it looks we often we often make those connections between the food we cook and the and culture so, great
0: ad. yep yeah go ahead yeah it's
8: kind of uh fascinating the Venus thing just because she was actually born without a womb, so I don't even know how she had a belly button but anyway um I'm curious the thought on um, at what point food transitions from fuel or a necessary human need into a creative expression. Does it have to do with, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Is there like a privileged based kind of um, point at which once you have your food needs met, it no longer becomes fuel and now becomes Um, a a version of self-expression and thus is elevated to art or does it remain art even in the form of needing it to survive? Thoughts around
9: that.
3: Question. Yeah. Very good.
1: I don't know that I have an answer to that. Anybody?
0: I, 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 as a personal experience, at one point in my life I chose to uh, when I was very young, very young, uh, teenager Jesus, this is teenager Jesus, I chose to uh, travel to Chihuahua and and pretty much work and live however I could. Uh, and one of the things that I did was uh, paint with coffee. And that's pretty much the only thing that I had to paint with. So it was kind of out of necessity, but also I wanted to try new mediums. But there was a a little fine line of of, uh, coffee is fuel. It's not necessarily food, but it is fuel, uh, especially when when you're young and hungry. But I used part of that fuel to uh, a means to sell and paint. Uh, So to me, that line blurred a lot back then. Actually, you had your hand off a little bit.
8: Yeah, this is really cool. And as you were talking through some of these things, Jim, I was thinking about um, food and the history that it embodies and how that's very much like art in the way that we can learn from food um, in the same way that we would study, like, a period of an artist Um like for instance, the, the white bread that was brought by um, people who were colonizing Vietnam and the banh mi sandwich came out of it. And so now we have this really incredible, great thing, but there's so much history behind it too um, and how those are tied together. And I think it makes it art.
0: It's a great point. Yeah, and I didn't know about the, the I don't think it that way, but yeah, it's a of history there. Uh, Daniel?
6: Hi everybody. Um, this is actually a really great one. I've been in the food industry for over twenty years, and so I'm glad this is my first culture club moving into it. Uh, with that being said, talking about is food art. Um, in my mind, I was writing little uh, notes down, and I believe that art, if you uh, you know allow yourself to step back and you truly um, you know, immerse yourself in that art piece that can evoke emotions, right? And I feel like if that is the same thing, can I cook something that can also evoke emotions, right? Can that allow me to, you know, cook a meal that reminds me of my grandma that's past and 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 create a, an emotion out of me of maybe it could be sadness that turns into bliss once the food touches my lips can create those moments. But also to on, on that accord is, uh, you know, books. Uh, are we labeling those art? Well, I believe they are all, you know, uh, masterpieces in their own rights, but also just like books, they tell stories. And another thing I wrote down is, can food inspire you to tell a story? And that could be a story that reminds you of, you know, your auntie, your tia, you know, cooking uh, homemade tamales with you, like it does for me. So every Christmas when I sit back and I make those tamales exactly to the recipe that my tia taught me, my abuela, like it's it reminds me to that story in my mind that I then share with others. And in that moment, it creates our new story that could uh, possibly create a novel in its own. I believe we all leave our legacies behind and what better way to leave a legacy is to share our stories.
0: It's awesome. And and I'm so glad you said uh, Christmas and tamales because it's one of the here that people eat tamales all year round and then in it for Christmas.
1: And then think about, you know, when you talk about movies like that, it's probably about like Water for Chocolate and Big Night um, movies that, you know, treat food like art and and leave you going out of the theater just hungry as hell. 100%.
6: 100%. If ever, if anyone hasn't taken the time to watch the movie Chef, um, yeah. or also movie Chocolat. Please do so. Chocolat inspires you to understand the levels and depths of one flavor, uh, of one of one note that you could also naturally be thinking, okay, it's chocolate, so it's sweet. But there could be a hint of spice, there could be a hint of nutmeg, there could be a hint of anything else. But if your palate is educated enough to, to uh, listen for those notes to be saying to you, um, it's definitely an uh, inspirational thing to watch. So definitely Chocolat and the chef because it inspires you to... Uh, love your passion, and be passionate about your love.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Evelyn?
6: Yeah, uh, I've kind of always thought of
9: the definition of art as being defined by two separate things. One, the intent of the person creating the piece, um, and then the viewer and their reaction and interaction with that piece. Um, and so, and you kind of have to have of a collision of both or, in my opinion for it to be like really good um and so art i mean food 100% i think is one of the most immersive and interactive art pieces if prepared by an incredibly skilled um passionate uh chef or preparer or cook or baker or whatever that's kind of yeah that's where i land Interesting.
1: Do you think it requires that that person receiving it? So, for example, if an artist
9: creates a piece of art, but nobody else ever sees it, is it is it still art? I think it kind of does. Not necessarily. Um, I could be convinced otherwise, but I think in most cases, yeah. I think it really. I think it's it's better. Art is meant to be shared. End of right. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. The, the, even the, not, not even in the immediate. It can be – there was – I was listening to a podcast, and they mentioned some artist who was building – in his garage, he was building this massive, like, throne altar out of tinfoil, and it wasn't discovered until, like, after his death. And it's now, I think, in the Smithsonian or something. Um, And so that – you know, he obviously wasn't sharing it. He He was building that for himself, but it became art once it was shared and discovered with the world.
0: You know, uh, that little caveat that you've made have and, and Jim, I'll ask you this, uh, is food art, but I think food has the, the uniqueness that it's, uh, it's meant to be consumed. Yeah. So to be art, does it need to be consumed? Or if it's not consumed, it's just for display, does it stop being food and it's just a piece of art, a sculpture mm-hmm. and not food? I don't, I don't think it necessarily
1: it has to, but I think food in that respect works in multiple ways. Um, you know, it is a, it is a visual um, smell, audio even at times, uh, and taste, um, which makes it a little bit unique um, among things that we might term art. Um, although I wouldn't, I, I, we could lump wine in there. I almost did a, I almost did a, a presentation on his wine art, but that would have been one slide with the answer yes. Um, so, craft beer as well.
3: Yes, craft but it would beer. have been a long yeah. conversation, Jim. <laughs> True.
0: True. Uh, Ella, you had your hand up.
4: Yeah, I did. I just kind of wanted to respond to what um, Thea said earlier about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how it connects to to art and food. It it got me thinking about just like art being creativity in whatever form that that might, you know, manifest itself, and thinking about just within my culture, for example, um, from most of you who know I'm I'm Igbo a tribe in Nigeria, and thinking about the time during the Biafra War that happened in that country where there's a lot of turmoil happening and um, people within my tribe were cut off from like food supplies. And so they had to figure out creative ways to survive off the land and figure out different foods to just literally grabbing things from trees and figuring out what works like in a soup or in a specific dish. So thinking about how they were able to do that during a time of like conflict and turmoil, but creating a dish, for example, there's a dish called um, Anubu soup created with um, Anubu leaves that, that are specifically from that region. And that soup is like, a staple dish within um, Nigerian slash Igbo culture now. And there's so many different methods and ways of making it, but it came from the creativity of individuals within um, like, a time of war. They had to do something to survive. So just tying those two things together from a Maslow perspective, it's like, you you do need, they needed to survive, and that's why it was created, but then it, it transcended that and has become something more of a like, a luxury situation than a survival situation just want to add that tidbit
8: that's fascinating thank you
0: that's awesome and, and that reminds me of how like you said uh a lot of food are are, are made out of necessity a lot of recipes are made out of necessity but then they're transforming to luxury food items that always thought that was fascinating uh how how uh as time passes and, and, and different cultures interpret the the origin of dishes and, and their history. And I didn't know a lot about what you just said, so thank you for sharing. Uh, and then Dustin, and after Dustin, we'll move to the next presenter because we have a lot of uh, other great presenters. It'll be slightly shorter, but go ahead, Dustin.
7: Thanks, I'll make it short though, but it's interesting, somebody mentioned history and then somebody mentioned also like the experience that people have with food like you would experience a piece of art. And I think you were saying immersive, you know, that's been happening through time ever since hunting, gathering, sitting around a fire, a group of people sitting around something and eating and doing that. And honestly, it's like, I work on Red Robin, that's our whole positioning is, the moments and things that happen around the table that the food necess- kind of facilitates, you know, and that connection that people have over that. So it's, it was an interesting thought. I, I, I thought that too, but uh, but through history, just like music, right? Music is, is the way it is today because of all the music that happened before it. Food is today because of all the different, think of all the happy accidents and things that happen when you're creating a piece of art or doing a design, right? Oh, wow, that just opened up a whole new thing. You know, it's, I, I feel like, it's like that guy, uh, Massimo uh, uh, Massimo Bertora, you know, the famous chef. If anybody's seen Chef's Table on Netflix, I highly recommend that show because we want to, you want to talk about food as art. That's where I learned about the tortellini bit. And also, if everybody has seen his famous, famous dish that I think is the most creative, interesting thing, talk about a happy accident, the oops, I dropped the lemon tart. I mean, has anyone ever seen this? Basically... They were preparing the food in the kitchen and everything and he had this great lemon tart and it was whole and everything and it breaks open and has stuff. Somebody dropped it. And, it, and they couldn't make another one. It had to get out to the thing. So they, he, he was like, you know what? No, we're taking it out like this. He dressed it up a little bit, they took it out there and it was called Oops, I Dropped the Tart. And it became, it's, it's a world famous dish now. But that was just from a moment. And he took that moment and saw something within it. When you see it splatted on the plate, he saw a piece of art there. Like, I was just like, that's fantastic you know and so it's just interesting because I mean what is cooking it's for a chef it's combining flavors it's it's combining this medium and this texture and this flavor and that and they're trying and they're experimenting constantly it's like a continual artistic revolution all the time and you think about if you even think about food as it went through time and then I'll be done I promise Um, it's like trends right? It's like the impressionistic period, the Dadaist period. You know, you think of those different artistic periods and you could probably go back and like, what are these trends? And like, when spicy goes crazy, how, what are all these interesting foods that come in that? And then all the fusion that happens cross-culturally as well, you know? Anyway, very exciting topic. I'm so glad you guys brought this to the table just because I shoot food and burgers like all the time. And I've worked in food for a lot of my career here and there. So thank you for bringing this up. Very awesome.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that, Dustin. And and, and, uh, that's a perfect summation of of what creates art. And yeah, you talk about the happy accident. That's uh, an integral part of of the artistic expression. I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, With that said, I'm gonna give it over to my next presenter, the amazing uh, Julianne (laughs) Lien.
2: Awesome, thank it's, you. If we can go to my slide. Cool. So, yeah, when Jesus reached out to me um, about this topic, um, I don't know how many people know, but I'm also one of the people who love to shoot food and share it on Instagram. Um, and so, so many people came to mind um, in terms of who I follow and the art that they create um, with food on Instagram. So this is one of them. Um, This is somebody based in San Francisco. Uh, Their handle is called Between Spoonfuls. And I absolutely, like following this account is such a delight. Honestly, you know, I highly recommend watching the reels and the videos because there's just so many different things um, that this person does. And you can see like the characters that are incorporated. Um, There's Totoro over there on the right. And there's so much skill that goes into creating these pieces um, that, and there's just so much of this, right? So this is something that I, I am also very passionate about. And I think, you know, I'm showing like pretty pictures here, but in terms of food as art, um, the definition that I looked up is that it's, it's a form of communication. And it's how it's a way that people express themselves. And I also um, have a chef's table reference, um, the one that Nikki Nakayama was in. She runs the restaurant um, and Naka. And I'll just read the quote because I, I feel that it's really, really powerful. And, and it was something that I was able to relate to as well. But she said that my food is very expressive of who I am. When I'm cooking, I put as much heart into it as I can and it translates to the people who are eating the food and they can sense who I am when they eat the food. Because, because of my culture, I'm uncomfortable with trying to make loud, bold statements. I can do that in the food. The food can be an egomaniac. It can be loud, it can be aggressive, it can be all these things that I personally am not comfortable being. It allows me to have crazy ideas or to experiment to not follow the rules. And when I watched that episode, that was just so powerful to me that that's an outlet to share a part of yourself that you may not project outwardly, um, but can really come through with food and, and that's how I relate to it as well. So I loved that.
0: And, and do you wanna plug in your own Instagram? Cause I follow it and it's amazing food photography.
2: Um, sure. Yeah. I, I don't want to do a shameless plug, but if you guys are interested, it's called Julian Carrot. Um, that is my Instagram handle and it's a mix of food that I go out to eat, look for, and then also things that I make.
0: Shameless plug. That's all we're here for. <laughs> uh, thoughts anyone? Well, I'll just say that uh, when you kind of brought in uh, this photographer, and and I, I thought you were going to bring in your own uh, photography, and that's why I invited you, honestly. But I'm really glad you did this, because uh, kind of like Dustin was saying, that there's a lot of different interpretation of what food and a lot of trends, uh, and that changes through cultures and time. And I think this type of uh, very uh, specific way of dressing up and, and, and interpreting food. It, it's just like a, a cultural expression of what food is. And, and you can see here in the photography uh, just their interests and, and the people they specifically want to talk to when you see the, the little egg that I forget his name, uh, with a little, uh, 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 What's the name?
8: Guretama. Guretama.
0: That. Yeah. Yes. I knew, I knew Esme would know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's in her profile. Uh, so, yeah, this is definitely was made for Esme. And so, I, I really love this uh, interpretation. Uh, Ella?
4: So, I was just going to note that I really enjoyed the quote that you mentioned from the, I think you mentioned this, the food blogger that mentioned the quote about like using food um, as a way of self expression that's different than like her her, I believe, normal self-expression. I just mm-hmm. thought that was interesting and just like kind of speaks to cultures as a whole. Um, just the fact that like maybe someone within a culture doesn't doesn't feel comfortable, like they, that they can't express themselves fully, but still having that outlet to be able to do so, I think that's um, important. Um, so yeah, I just want to note that it really resonated with me.
0: Awesome, thank you.
6: Daniel? Uh, Just really quick is um, talking about, yeah, that end quote was perfection. I remember watching that episode of Chef's Table. So good. And immediately I thought of if you're in a relationship and your partner's the cook, pay attention to the flavors that are coming to your table. OK, because they're speaking through their cooking as well. So I it's
2: that. so true that, that another thing I want to add is it is it, a reflection of your mood. Right. Like some people, if they're baking a ton of cookies, they're in the kitchen all afternoon. That could be you might want to ask them if they're doing OK. Like it's just a way to read the mood also.
0: It's funny because I, I always have to do separate uh, dishes most of the time, because uh, I'm a rabbit meat eater and my wife's vegetarian. So most of the time I have to kind of do it separately. So, but when you said uh, uh, that, uh, Daniel, and just look uh, at your partner when you while you're cooking, I do always try to cook something that I know my wife will appreciate and like, I put garlic in everything and I eat. And I avoid that at all with my wife. I should not, not like garlic. So if she ever ties garlic in her food, I might be a little bit angry. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) with that said, I'm going to pass it to the next presenter, uh, Jani Fraga.
10: Hey guys. So um, I wrote down a ton of quotes that have happened throughout this meeting so far, and every single time, I've been trying to figure out exactly what I want to say about this entry. And it's kind of all of it. Um, Food being a form of communication um, that if nobody sees it, is it art? There was art evokes evokes emotion and it leaves an impact on you. And this overall idea of like what's the intent versus what's the receiver's reaction, right? So um, this experience is a restaurant. So it's around food. It is... In my mind, absolutely, art in when you consider an immersion immersion experience that you walk away with a completely different mindset and really something changes in you. Um, so the Blind Cafe started the the originator went overseas and had seen one he brought it to boulder colorado for the first one he's had a few different pop-ups but essentially what it is is it's this restaurant that is set in complete darkness and so all of the waiters are blind they can easily maneuver and wait on you and the experience becomes a lot right it's very psychological it's very um everybody handles it a little bit different um they said it's extremely loud in there because people feel like they have to elevate their voice to kind of back up like you know, compensate. You work as a team to even figure out, like, how do you manage your conversations or even finding out what shape your table is? Where's your plate? Does your neighbor have it? Like all of these things that maybe never even can come to our minds when we're considering food or eating or this overall like social, you know, this like social gathering that we do on a routine, but, you know, not being able to see anything heightens your senses to the sound and the foods and the textures and whether or not you just stuck your hands in soup or not like those kinds of things I think are super interesting, perfectly timed accidental pun. But, um, the video goes in a little bit more into what it is. I highly recommend you check out the site. Um, they also have a Ted talk that they had done an article that it talks a little bit about the full experience as well, but I thought this was a really great way to show food as an art installation and something that can really change your perception of something and leave feeling gratitude or understanding something a little bit more, or maybe just feeling like that broke down the wall of, you, if somebody was blind, you can ask them questions. You can engage in conversation. There's still, you know, it kind of broke down that barrier a lot for the visitors versus the wait staff and stuff like that. So you uh, can go ahead and play the video.
11: I think San Francisco, this really digs the Blind Cafe. I think San Francisco digs the Blind Cafe. We're really excited. Tonight is the last night of the San Francisco Blind Cafe pop-up event. We've done three weekends, nine nights. My name is Rosh, and I'm the producer and a performer at the Blind Cafe. The cool thing about the Blind Cafe is we really get this community experience. People think from the outside that it's a dinner in the dark, and it's a foodie experience, and we create amazing food. but. The food and the Q&A with the blind wait staff where we have a conversation together in the dark and the dark chocolate and the wine and the music is all catalyst to help us really wake up. What we're doing in the dark is we're actually creating an experience where suddenly you don't have control anymore. You have have to let go. It's it's a little uncomfortable to go into a pitch dark room with a hundred people. People talk extra loud, it's really intense and you're at this table and you don't know. Suddenly you have to relate with your fork and your wife in a completely different way than you do when you have sight. It took about five minutes of talking with Raj to know that I should be a part of this is extremely special.
3: A once in a lifetime thing for any chef. I came here and I found that it was very necessary to sit down, go in the dark, have my eyesight taken away from me and experience what's gonna happen when I feed somebody and, I, and then it's my turn to cook. When it comes to being a chef, you, you get to create art that engages every sense. Touch, feel, um, sight, even even hearing, because you end up in conversation and everybody starts talking about it. And it brings everybody together. And it food breaks down boundaries just like that. Everything's gone. Um,
9: that's one of the fun parts about this. You get to talk to so many people, right? And that, that's just, really cool when I've gotten to meet people and connect with people. You don't get to have, at least, I don't know, I don't have that connection with people very often. A lot of times you see them down, walking down the street, and maybe you're thinking about everything else but asking them questions.
11: And here you get to. It's really powerful for the blind folks to be in a position where suddenly they're the ones helping everybody, as opposed to being the ones that are side of the street being asked if they need help. The blind staff are being liberated too, you know? And there is a liberation that comes after you deal with whatever comes up with you.
0: Very emotional. Kathleen, uh, you have a thought before I start crying for everyone.
9: Oh, no, I just, I should probably clarify that I think earlier I mentioned the viewer because that's kind of typically what's thought of as someone who experiences fine art because it's always, as defined by um, the definition that was read at the beginning, um, a, a visual medium. And I think the thing that's so interesting about food and that this. Uh, showcases so well is that um, art can and should um, implement other senses other than just the eyeballs. And so I think that food uh, is one of the only ones that does taste. Uh, And so, yeah, bravo to that.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jenny, for, for bringing this uh, up. When 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 you when I saw the, the title, I thought it was going to be one of those that it's just dark for the sake of being dark, but just bring in that awareness of, of this community that experiences food and, and, and everything else in a different way. And food being the one common denominator, perfect, perfect medium of art to bring that conversation. Thea, awesome. so, yeah, you have a thought?
8: Yeah, I was just reminded of, um, I don't know if if any of you have seen there, there was a feature on a um, a restaurant, I think in Canada called Signs, where all of the staff are deaf. And um, in a slightly different way, um, it forces you to change your relationship with how you select, order, ask questions, and who's serving your food, Um, whereas the forcing you to be blind is interesting in that it changes the way that you engage with consuming the food and conversation around your table. Um, but then the other aspect of that is is how do you engage with the staff who's actually creating your food um, if you can't speak their language. So I
7: thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Yes, thank you, Bia. Uh, Dustin?
7: Yeah, it's, it is really interesting, the senses bit of it, because I almost wonder, but well, part of it is sharing their experience, right? I'm more of a person you can't see is sharing their experience. And I mean, you got to imagine what does food taste like for them? You know, for someone who, who is blind, like it's probably a whole different experience and like how their palate is and what they interpret because their senses are gonna be so heightened, you know? I just think that's really, that's just super fascinating. So you wonder if that interprets, it's like we always say on Red Robin, this is true if you guys have a favorite sandwich or a burger that you love, turn it upside down and take a bite and it's going to taste different than it does right side up because that's planned. It's like they want you to hit this flavor, this, 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 to create that, you know, overall taste palette. So I think it's, it's just interesting, like something like that to change. It probably tastes similar, but I, 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 I'm almost jealous of the experience because I'm like, how how rich is that how much is the garlic really coming through and how much is the fennel there you know it's just i find that very fascinating this this is really cool thanks for bringing this
0: yes thank you thank you so much uh i'm the next presenter you think next slide mine is not as as deep and profound as the rest of them and uh i just wanted uh, uh to highlight Uh, a little piece of media that deals with art Uh, I'm a fan of anime, I'm not a huge fan of anime but definitely in in my teenage years Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z uh, was a huge thing and for those of you who uh, watch anime uh, there's a lot of repetition and there's a lot of uh, the animators being economic on how they illustrate because they have to turn this in really really quick so uh that's why anime has the uh style that it has of always being very similar and very repetitive there is one exception you think you could go to the next slide you wouldn't like to meet teenage jesus jim uh can you play the video real quick i won't play the whole video but just a little bit of it The the amount of detail that they did for this piece, and granted, this anime is about food, so they do pay a lot of attention to it. But I have not seen an artistic interpretation of food this precise and and this deep. And uh, the if you you were uh, there's a meme called the cabbage meme. there was this anime that wasn't about food but something else and the top is the original anime that released that's a cabbage and everyone was furious they were like they needed to change it so the bottom part is the change that they made for this cabbage for the release and, and dvd so for some reason and and i the reason being, everything that has been talked before myself, uh, food is extremely, extremely important and you have to get it right. You, we don't mind seeing uh, an interpretation of what the human face looks like, we're used to that, we're okay with that, we're happy to see that, but you cannot mess with food that way we mess with the human figure and i just want to point that out uh, if anyone has any thoughts uh okay i'll move it along because uh oh, go ahead daniel
6: I was just going to say, I don't know if people understand the reason why they have uh, such detail in anime food, but I was actually talking to this chef a while back, and they said it's because in the the Japanese culture, they believe that uh, we should not disrespect something that gives us life. So if we disrespect it and not give it its true value and form, then there's no reason to have it represented at all.
0: That's a great insight. Uh, like we said it uh, over and over, food is one of the few, our mediums that, that that it is fueled, but you have to represent the right. Like you have to give it the respect it has. Uh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, so I'll hand it over to our last presenter. And uh, I'm just really excited for him to talk about his own cooking. Steve, take it away.
3: Hey there. Um, What a great conversation, and I am am so hungry. (laughs) Um, I opted to do a more personal approach, as you can well tell. I love food. I consider myself a foodie, um, not from the snooty way, but from the fact that I have such an appreciation for creativity in the kitchen. Um, I had the opportunity to work on the first season of Iron Chef as a story producer, and I learned so much from that experience and spending time with Alton Brown that it opened up a whole new thing that I was just so excited to jump into. Um, And since that time, I've had uh, lots of uh, discussions with chefs and restaurateurs and sommeliers and wine stewards and winemakers and other people in the culinary and wine worlds. Um, So I share with you some of my creations as well as some of the interesting recipes that I pursued. Uh, the, The art part... Of these dishes comes from the way people respond to eating them, much like we've been talking about for this past almost hour. Um, there's a wow moment when the food is being served, an emotional engagement when it's being tasted for the first time, and just like any good art that leaves an impression, these dishes often want um, they often leave people wanting more. Um, and over the past year, I've changed a lot of what I eat. I won't get into the details specifically, but I can tell you one of the best things that I have found is something called cocoa aminos, which is like a—it's a, a derivative of coconut. Doesn't really taste very coconutty, but uh, it's a—it's um—it's great because, as you can see, I love all types of cuisine, um, and this is a very clean base for sauce or a marinade. You can put on anything: fish, veggies, chicken, steak. And then I add cumin and curry and smoked paprika and a little salt and you just have yourself an awesome marinade, um, which is what I put on the black cod there in the in the picture. Um, and to finish off this little talk, uh, something sweet to consider. My wife is a huge fan of shave ice. So when she ordered up a shave ice, I decided to decorate it a little bit and make it a little face. But... Um, and it's that wow factor, even from my spouse, my wife, who's a huge fan um of, of my cooking. And Jim, I think you asked at one point something about or somebody asked about if no one's there to receive it, is it still art? Um, there are times where I've and I've done this for quite some time. I'll make some, you know, as you can see, I make some really fun food and nobody has to be there to eat it except me. And I still consider it creative and engaging. And I want more, so I don't think anyone has to be there. However, I love sharing it, um, and I love how people engage with it, and it does bring you to different kinds of conversations with very different people um, and the response that they get, um, that they give me. It isn't so much about me. uh, It's about how they respond and the joy that it brings to them, and then that's where I find it to be. Very, very rewarding. Well,
1: that um, raises an interesting so, question, Steve. Can we can we be both the artist and the viewer?
3: Absolutely. I, I know I am, and by the way, I'm also I'm also critical of my. Of where I'll try something. More critical of our own, right? Yeah, and and I'll go. You know, I know what to do next time, and the next time I do tweak it. And there's been a couple of them that things have flopped when I tried to change things up, and that's fine. And I'm willing to take that. And I tell my wife going in, hey, I haven't done this yet, but going to try it and she always says oh don't worry everything comes out great and I said not everything but you know we got to live a little bit on on the edge here and see where it goes um most of the time it comes out so then I at least I learned from that and I go okay this is what I'm going to do next time and then that's when we'll serve it to other people um that's and the one last statement culinary art at its best is when food wows people and then, of course, my notes get covered up here and causes a visceral emotional reaction. Think about your favorite culinary experiences. You want to share them with people. You want to share them with your family. You want to share them with friends. And now that we've spent 45, almost an hour talking about this, who's ready to eat? And where I'm, I'm in central time now. So it's five o'clock. So it's wine o'clock and time
0: to eat we're all uh definitely <laughs> ready to eat i uh, no, thank you for for sharing that uh Tia, go ahead
8: uh yeah i was just thinking that in terms of food as art there's also a big portion of the palette the cultural palette that you can use i um, this whole conversation has been great and i'm reminded of an interview i heard with um, chef harold sims on cpr i can link to that that episode but he basically talked about he's african-american and he talked about how he tried to go to culinary school but everything is based on the french school of cooking and he really wanted to explore african heritage cooking which uses very different techniques and ingredients and that struggle around trying to keep there was no one teaching that school using that palette those flavors and colors and so he had to figure it out on his own, but I think that's something interesting to keep in mind is that you know based on what is the culturally dominant palette you're using you may only be painting with half of the box of what's available out there.
0: Yeah, that's a great point and and very much like, like artistic interpretation of, of paintings and sculptures and, and really I, I think uh, And and someone also mentioned that the tastes change in in time and and depending on the culture it is. Food has that unique place that not only is interpretation but it's also something that you grew up with and and that you feel and you taste and you wanna explore. So um, uh, I wanna learn more about him and and see how he learned and and he uh, expanded his own culinary background uh, but I think just explaining your own history, and uh, your own culture's history through art is a is, is fascinating uh, part of cooking. Uh, Maria, go ahead.
5: Well, firstly, thank you so much, Jesus, for putting this together. I think this is a fantastic topic. It's something that um, I myself and the rest of the DEI committee have been thinking about for a while now, how to uh, get this uh, to you guys in a way that we can talk about food because I really, you know, just to shadow what a lot of you guys have said, you know, food communicates, it breaks down ba- barriers, it breaks down boundaries, it connects people in a way that doesn't need verbal language where politics can't get involved, right? So, for example, if if you grew up in a place where maybe you weren't exposed to a lot of Hispanic people, you might have at least paid a visit to a famous taco spot nearby, And the same could be said about any culture, Asian food or Italian, anything really. So we could learn so much about each other through food. And um, it just makes me super excited to uh, just get a move on on our DEI stuff um, that I don't really want to talk about too much quite yet because we're still uh, cooking it. (laughs) But thank you, thank you.
0: I, I get it, uh, uh, but yeah, like Maria Ortiz, their uh, cook, cooking, and 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 and, just uh, so the food is 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 a, a, an integral part of the culture, and just having a conversation around it, I think could uh, be an amazing, amazing thing to have. Uh, we're almost to the hour. Uh, if anyone else has anything to add. I think this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, one thought that I had through the whole conversation, and Steve, you brought it up: uh, food as art and food as as a place of community, is a very important part in our lives. And although we do continue to cook and and, and create art through food, uh, uh, this past year and a half, we have missed a little bit of, of or a huge part of what is cooking and is the community, the sharing. And I think all of us, versus myself, have cooked more, a lot more lately. I have missed that part. So hopefully soon we can start sharing our food and start building a community through food. Uh, With that said, thank you so much. Thank you, Jim, so much. This is an amazing theme, amazing topic. And uh, thank you for participating. Uh, Next month, uh, it's going to be Hispanic Heritage Month. So, Kotiko will be our center around that celebration. Uh, so, please, when we send that email, I would love to get some uh, love participation, as always. And thank you so much for uh, joining us.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. It's great. So. Thanks, everyone.
5: Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank
0: you.